Hey, Emily. Hey, Stephanie. You uh, want to do a podcast? Absolutely. Welcome to Cycle Chats, a podcast to destigmatize what it means to be a woman. This is episode 72, Dating Yourself, where we are talking to a woman who is a psychotherapist who specializes in building confidence and assertiveness while using humor to empower women to have self-worth and secure relationships. That's right. It's Talia Bambola. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I know it's been a long time coming, so I'm, I'm glad that we finally worked it out. We synced our cycles. How about that? Absolutely. We did. We did it. I, I thought it was also very funny. Your, I think your business manager reached yes. out again and was like, just wanted to like, and I was like, oh no, we already did this. Okay. We, we reached it out on the back end. He told me, he's like, can you let me know next time? I'm like, yes. I forgot. <laughs> we cut out the middleman. I was like, Jude, I already reached out to her. We did this, but thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah, it was very funny, but He's no. nothing if not thorough. Yes. Hey, listen, we got here. Steph and I typically find when we have to like work very hard, we actually really enjoy ourselves. Enjoy. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah, it's okay. always worth the wait. Good. I hope I hope you find that same thing today. <laughs> I'm already pretty sure that we will. There's puppies all around. I True. mean, what a life we are living. Your literal name on the call is the confidence and assertiveness specialist. And if that doesn't say exactly what everyone needs to hear, I love those are music to my ears. Yes, I love that. As a former people pleaser, those are wonderful things. Those are my ideal clients. Yes. Uh (laughs) I'm I'm sure sure they are. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say the same thing. I'm sure they are. Well, I just want to dive right in because it was really hard for me to pick what topic I wanted to center this episode around because you talk about so much on your page. And if you haven't checked out her page, please make sure to go check out her Instagram. Everything will be linked. But like you just talk about so many wonderful topics. You started talking about in-laws today, which I have so much to say about, but we're going to, we're (laughs) going to stick to the original topic about dating yourself. And I think it's so exciting. I think it's so needed. I talk to a lot of people that are like that DM us that are younger women and like always running after and chasing whatever partner. And I, I try and them the best advice that I can. So I hope that all of those people are listening now. So let's start from the beginning. What made you get into this field? Oh, what a good question. I know that most, I think for other people, it might be the same way. There's usually some sort of personal connection, personal story or inspiration that we have been impacted by whatever career we chose as a client of it before we become the professional of it. And that definitely was the case for me. I was not always the confidence and assertiveness specialist, let alone was I ever like this confident or assertive. I too was a formal people pleaser. So that was my life. I think I was I was confident growing up and then I got bullied in middle school really intensely and I ended up in therapy. Thank God, because that therapist absolutely saved my life. That gave me like an hour or two a week to look forward to like living most of the weeks of middle school and what it felt like to come out of that and go to the other side, regaining confidence. It gave me this sense of like, no one's ever going to take this away from me again. And it ignited this fire of, I want people to feel this way without having to go through potentially what I went through. And that's not my job to rescue or fix. It's definitely to model and to encourage instead. So personally, 
that transformation that therapy and later on, you know, coaching and mentorship helped me to get to being that light for other people is something like I still will cry and be excited and happy that like I get to do this for a job like it doesn't even feel like work I get to show up and inspire women to be confident and stop settling and understand like wait I don't have to date the emotionally unavailable guy who never texts me back and just settle for I'm like you don't have to if you want to that is an option available to you it would be one I recommend but no you don't have to there are other people out there and they're like oh and I I'm worthy of them absolutely and being able to see your own self-worth I think changes honestly everything in your life it changes the job you have it changes the people you date the friends you have what you feel worthy of in any sense so I, I think to be able to have that is such a gift to be able to give oneself to recognize it and to harness that to be confident and assertive and not ashamed of who you are. Oh, I think that's so important. Steph and I were literally having a conversation about why women tend to fall for the bad boy. Yes. Right. And this like narrative that we somehow like can't get rid of. And we're desperately trying to scream at other girls and other women and other people that identify as women to like, please stop that. Don't that's so like, it's just going to lead you down a bad path. And we just, we couldn't, I mean, we did like, we had a whole conversation about it, but, and we still couldn't get to the, the, the bottom why. of why. The reason why women like bad boys is because they have integrity and it's not to say that they don't do things that are like edgy, but they are true to their word. No, I'm not going to do that. Yes, I'm going to do this. Yes, I'm going to drive a motorcycle. No, I'm not going to listen to your parents. Like they have integrity, which is a sexy characteristic. However, women in their young twenties to I would say young to early teens it starts to be like a fantasy or whatever is in like a movie mm. or a book it's like yes. uh, romanticized and then it becomes more of an available option I would say later teens to early 20s by your later 20s when certain either biological clocks start kicking on career clocks what have you some other sense of time comes in and it's like yeah that's not as cool anymore Brad with the motorcycle like where are we going to fit the baby carrier like what is this like go get a real job you know like the it still is integrity but it's not a, as sexy or as edgy so the reason why it is so attractive in the beginning is because if we think about the function of dating or being connected to somebody in some senses, it is to like further the species in some way. So what better way to do it than with somebody who doesn't take stuff from other people? You know, they, they're kind of like, this is who I am. This is who I'm not. And if I struggle with low self-esteem or self-worth, of course, I want to be near somebody who has self-esteem and self-confidence because I kind of want to learn what it's like. But in dating, it's not the same as in a friendship or in a therapeutic relationship, obviously. It's not modeled as much as it is like used against a person in dating well you knew I was like this when you started dating me is often true oh, and, yes. and I will talk to women like that and I'm like well did you and they're like well yeah but I thought I could change him and I'm like that's not your power can I just intercede for two seconds because you said something earlier and I just showed Emily this two guys that I have talked to in the past both sent me the same meme. And it is so funny to me because I'm at the point where I used to entertain it. And like now I straight up just texted the guy back and I was like, LOL, hysterical. You're not the first person that sent this to me. And then he's like, well, can I be the one to do it to you? Because it was like suggestive. And then I texted him back. 
damn, can't even ask me on a proper date and you're making demands, mm-hmm. silliness. Because to me, it's like, and I would have never done that before. Now I literally do not care. I'm like, you can't answer a simple text. You don't even text me how you're doing. We've already gone through this once. Like shame on me if I entertain these dudes more than once. And like, I think that's where I think boundaries come in. Oh yes. And not only boundaries with other people, boundaries with yourself. And like my therapist and I both were talking about it. And she's like, it sounds like you need to set boundaries for yourself when you go on dates and then stick to them. And I did. And I will tell you what a game changer to find out that, oops, shocking. This guy just wanted to sleep with me. And because I didn't, he went from wanting a full-blown relationship to now all of a sudden he's like, I just like, don't know. Like all of a sudden, like the spirit moved through me and I've changed my mind. And I'm just like, your mind was already made up when you talked to me the first time. So let's not play this game. Like you didn't already know what you were going into this with. Like I've dated guys who are certain that I want a relationship. This is what I want. And they act accordingly. And that exactly. is that is just the truth is like, believe someone when they say they're not sure, they're not sure. Because a guy that's sure makes it very clear they're sure. And in either direction. And I think it's not the societally acceptable, well, maybe now more than it used to be. It's not the societally acceptable thing to do to go on a date with only the intention of hooking up in terms of like being on a dating app. Sometimes people are like, oh, I'm just really looking to date. More power to you. Most people are looking for a relationship as far as the people I work with. So if that person had integrity, it doesn't mean I'd like what they would say. If they're like, I'm actually just looking for, you know, a casual hookup. I don't really want a relationship. I would at least respect the honesty of not being let on. I'd be like, good for you. Thanks so much for being honest. This isn't going to work. And I wouldn't hold as much of a negative connotation as if I had been duped or been led on, maybe sacrificed to your point, my own boundaries. And women often sacrifice it when guys are either hot or rich because those are two like provisions in terms of genetics. If they're more attractive, your species could go further, your lineage. And then with money, it's obviously provisions and being provided for. So it really does go back to like evolutionary psychology. That's where we'll break the boundaries. Yeah. And that was actually something my ex and I were talking about because we we're still very cordial with one another but we always have that like men versus women and the psychology and like the evolutionary standpoint behind things and like you know him and I are both like I'm not I just need to know you work hard and that you're not a bum like that's it like just you could literally make less than I do in a week but if I see that you're actively working the effort and and the intention right and you're like hey money's a little tight but I'd love to make you coffee at my house instead okay that's totally fine I don't so it's I, I think we've just we've skewed so heavily towards you know women want this and men want this. And and I'm just like, there are people who have this middle ground that they want. And it's like, how do we, how do we find each other? <laughs> like the people that want that, how do you find each other? So, but isn't that the question, right? Like, how do we even start? Like I- I'm married. I have been married for four years. I've been with my husband for seven. You're pregnant. So you're in some sort of committed relationship, yes. <laughs> right? So like Stephanie's dating life is so different from what even my dating life was yep. 10 years ago and before mine too, I met yeah. my husband, right? Like yeah. I don't know what women are going through today because I- I'm in a very happy, committed relationship. So terrible. You the know, whole thing was terrible. Yeah. I'm so single. I get, I listen to Stephanie's stories, finding them humorous and, and sometimes just like crazy the fact of what she is going through on a daily basis. 
office being a single woman in 2023. But I think what's so important, and like, I know my dad is listening to this episode. So Papa Steve, this one's for you. My dad's but, name is Steve also. Oh, is he just the best guy? Because my dad is is very my sweet. And- every, every day since he found out I was pregnant, he has sent me an email on parenting advice. It is the sweetest thing That's so in cute. the whole world. And I my save heart. all of them. I know. I was like, I love you. So yes, he is also oh my God, very that's, sweet. That's so nice. Oh, daddy is writing down that idea <laughs> yes. for if and when I ever yes. decide to have children. Yes. He is writing that down right now. I know it on one of his little post-it notes and then it's going to get lost in his house and I'll find it again. But mm-hmm. like, yep, yep, Stephanie knows. But that's like, true. so he is starting to also date. He is 71, came out as gay two years okay. ago, okay. right? And something that we talk about all the time is this idea of self-love. Yes. I don't think people understand how important it is to love yourself first yes. before yes. you date somebody else because otherwise it's just going to be a cyclical pattern it's going to happen again and again and something's going to happen and that relationship will be over or you'll get married and then divorce like it's just it's going to happen because you need to love yourself first so like how do we do that like what is the first step that these women and gentlemen and anybody in between have to take to love themselves because it took me a long time and I'm not saying it's easy and I'm still on that journey oh yeah it's lifelong I am infinitely in a better space than I was 10 years ago. Yeah, wonderful question. And I'm glad that you brought it up, especially because there is a division in the dating and relationship sphere that some people are in the camp of, well, that's, you know, a bunch of hooey. You don't have to love yourself first to date. Okay, true. That is very true. Technically, you can date and have the worst self-esteem in the world. What is it going to yield, though? Like, we can do most anything. That doesn't mean it's a good idea, to. And then there's, there's people in that other camp of it is more fulfilling and more loving to yourself to love yourself first before you go to date to love somebody. Because if you think of yourself as a mirror, and my kind of mantra, if you will, that I recommend clients have is like, as deeply as you know yourself is as deeply as you can allow another to know you mm-hmm. and as comfortable as you are with that depth. So if I'm not comfortable with somebody getting to know me and every secret is a shame-based one or I I did something in my past that I can never get past, whereas if somebody heard it, they'd be like, okay, that's it, like, and. And that can be freeing to tell your story and, and address those shadow parts of yourself because when another person can witness you and or even if they bring it up and you take ownership and you're like, yeah, and, they're like, oh, I can't use that against them, I guess, then they've totally owned it. That's where the confidence and assertiveness, at least on my lens, comes in. Self-love as a template is the way that you non-verbally, but also verbally, teach other people to love you. So if you do not love yourself and you don't treat yourself with love or respect or respect your own boundaries, respect your own time, your your body, your mental health, whatever it might be, where would we reasonably assume another would do that? How you treat yourself is the model for how others treat you, as well as what you verbalize yes and no to. If you're not loving yourself, you also won't know what to do with it. One of my favorite analytic papers in my training program is called, that I read was, you're giving giving me what I need, but I have no place to put it. And the thought of that is if I don't have that space yet carved out in me to know what it feels like, I will also have a really hard time recognizing what healthy true love is. And I'm more likely to shut that down because it feels too boring, too vanilla. I'm not worthy of it. Let me go for the toxic. Let me go for the Rocky Road scoop of ice cream, not the nice, smooth haagen vanilla ice cream that once you are done with all the crazy flavors, all the 31 flavors, you're like, yeah. 
I love vanilla. Yeah. I would like to have vanilla for the rest of my life. Isn't that so interesting? That's something that, you know, I think about a lot, this idea of love and what love yes. is and what I yes. thought love was when I was little. And it was so that toxic idea, right? Where it's just like fireworks and big colors and Disney and rom-coms. Thank yeah. you so much. So, yeah. Right. And then I'm uh, now I'm in this relationship. And I remember for a little bit it, when we first started dating, I would have these thoughts and these moments. Like I knew from the first date, I was like, I'm going to marry him. But like, and Stephanie is always like, I don't understand how you knew. And oh, I'm like, yeah. you just, I don't know. Something happens, but you you know, but like, I thought I was going to marry half of the dudes that I've dated and I, I've been that, wrong every that, time. Though, that is sometimes to, to both of your points, when we think it for multiple people and it's a theme within us, that's more anxious attachment. I want to escape, get off the dating roller coaster, the, the fantasy of we have this romance and then we have this meet cute and then there's this story arc and then there's this, that is usually what that comes from. And when it's a true person to person experience of like, oh, wow, I actually think that that whole fantasy fantasy could become a reality with you that is the difference of like when we think that we know or we're trying to convince ourselves because we have this placeholder that we're trying to audition people for rather than when we're going on dates more openly of like here's my intent here's what I'm not willing to settle for take it or leave it in a kind way that's when we really start to filter and view the partner differently and can sit across from them and go I'd give you another shot I actually could see the through and in a, in a real way not in a fantasy and then we'll have a white picket fence and two kids it's it's so different I already had therapy yeah. today but round two I guess is fine too <laughs> you're like thank you let me know where I Venmo you or sell you I guess we're just on the house <laughs> but it's so important to realize that like real love is is not that like that is so lusty and that's something that I talked to my dad about in his relationships that he's had I'm like you did not love this person they did not love you you were in lust with them and that's fine right like he is powerful dating. yeah and he and once you realize that it's so powerful but like you are dating from a place of being 71 now right and dating for these past two years you are in the headspace of a 13 year old who's first dating so like I understand because I have to think about myself when I was 13 and how I also viewed relationships oh I'm so glad I did not marry the person I thought I would at that age I'd right? be in jail oh my god I would be he is in jail but I would probably also be in jail. I would be a shell of myself I wouldn't be able to express myself do what I wanted to do with my life I would have already had five kids like there are so many things that I wouldn't have been able to do if I would have married the person that I thought I was going to marry and really thought it like believed it to my freaking and how core. much social pressure do, especially do women get from previous generations which understandably so this is not like a I don't consider myself a feminist so this isn't like a feminist rant but I am an advocate of women and I'm an advocate of men and being told and being modeled from a young age your whole life starts once you're you graduate you get married you have kids that was the trope that was also societally necessary for us to like function and move forward we have so many more freedoms now both all of us have so many more freedoms that we don't actually have to take that path and I think just now we're starting to get caught up that it's okay that like these alternate lifestyles in terms of like staying single till your later years like back in the day they're like oh you're a spinster like you'll never find it's like I don't want to marry my frontal lobe wasn't even developed at 21 why would I get married to the person like no I would become totally different versions from like 20 to 30 to 35 to 40 you're not going to ideally be the same person I'm a big advocate of meeting once you've really known yourself separate from chronological age who are you and how deeply do you know yourself and from that whenever that age 
ages, that is the standpoint then to start looking seriously at who you want to marry or life partner with because you know yourself better and you know what you will and won't deal with and much better to date from an authentic place than an inauthentic place. Yeah. So how how do we date ourselves? Like what's your best tip that you can give listeners on how they can start dating themselves, understanding themselves? Because Stephanie is in this place right now. I see her working through it every day. And I myself, because I am Stephanie's best friend. I I am Stephanie. No. Yes. I am. She pulls back a mask. Oh my God. Yeah. This whole time it's just been. (laughs) It sounds about right. It sounds like us. It's a deep fake AI of yourself. I love it. It sounds like something we would do. Everything's been a whole This works. Miguel would have a heart attack. My God, he would literally freak out and run out of the house. I could only imagine. But like, I see her doing it and I've seen what she had done in the past. And now seeing her in these stages, I have so much appreciation and and respect for her and what she's doing. I, of course, have concern because I feel like a a mother hen to most of my friends. And I'm like, but don't, don't fall back on bad ways. I want you to succeed, you know, like keep going. She already, she already did that today. Yeah, I did it today. I can't help. She's like, are you talking to person yeah and I was like I and then I clarified later I was like I have way too much self-esteem to let anything at this point it's entertainment for me and I know what it is because I'm smart enough now to know that like you do me dirty like that one time we can go out we can talk I can listen to you I'll go on about how sorry you are but that's not going to change that you actually did the thing so yeah so like where do we start this process because it's it's so important I'm sure it's so different now than what you know, my journey was 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the landscape of ways to find a person to date is much different. Even in the last few years, pre and post COVID, the online dating sphere, the shift of the class of criminals, shall we say, or the quality of individuals that are on those dating pools is different because much like many other things, a lot of things moved virtual. And to be able to have in both meanings of the sense to be able to have that much access to other people can be a disservice because it can create inauthenticity on like the surface with filters and like the perfect photo shoot and the perfect prompts. And I took a dating coaching class for $37 from somebody I found on Instagram and they read my profile. Like it can be inauthentic in that sense or like your best foot forward to a level you can't actually uphold regularly. Or it can be, here's how I want to be. Here's who I would love to be if I were dating as my best self. And when you start to go on dates, and if that's not the real you, you'll start to feel the pressure and you'll start to retract and pull away. So the ideal goal is a balance of putting your best foot forward that you can continue to step on that path. And even if it's just like a scotch out of your comfort zone, definitely lead with your ideal self while being aware. And there's an exercise if you draw on a piece of paper, like four quadrants, you could put ideal self like who you want to be described as your like non-ideal self the traits that you know about yourself I don't want to use bad because of like shame inducing language but like what are some traits you're not proud of yourself for that if people called you out on before owning it about yourself you're like uh might you might get defensive like I used to be more defensive about being like impatient or judgmental or what now I'm like I am those things like take it or leave it I'm not going to change it and if it if it really matters and it impacts us negatively obviously if they're like my husband or someone like I will make a modification but other than that it's like okay this is who I am though and then on the bottom part of the quadrant it's not me like what traits would no one ever describe you as including yourself like meek definitely no one would describe me as meek or unfunny or you know some other traits and then in the bottom depending on how you write it but if you're looking at the paper like the bottom left quadrant what I like to recommend clients put is like who you who are you striving to be and there's other ones you can put in that quadrant but who are you striving to be who would you want to be seen as where are some like areas of growth
growth traits that you're wanting and you want to lean more into those traits and the ideal self traits to be congruent and you want to lean less into the not me traits or I don't like this about myself me. So as you're going on dates, what version of the of yourself does that person bring out? Are you more on the bad half, not me traits where you're all walled up and that clearly is not an authentic way to date? Or are you more on that left side again, if you're looking at the paper where your your ideal self becoming true and you're actually in those striving traits. And that's where I, I recommend clients starting to love themselves and date from an authentic place. It starts with you knowing yourself and being finely attuned to when you are your most self and when you are your least version of yourself. That's true too, right? Like if you're around certain people and you're like, you feel weird, I kind of like attribute it to that where you're just like, wow, I really just do not like who I become around this person. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I feel very similar. It's just weird because being single in this climate, shall we say, I feel like, because I'm 31 and I feel like my generation has just become incredibly avoidant because we've just, we've been so, I feel, I almost feel like I was taken for a ride when I was younger that I was like promised this, this beautiful life for myself. And like, I was raised very traditional. And so I was like, yes, as a woman, this is my role. And then like the rose colored veil dropped. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait, hold on. What? You know, and it's just, it's very jarring and it makes you want to go the opposite way. And so now it's like learning how to find that balance between two polar opposites. I mean, so like what's the middle path? What's yeah, what's what's I guess the first step that you take when you walk your clients through with the ones who deal with severe self-love issues? Like what's that first step that you walk through? Cause I know like for me, side thing, I did not love myself. And I just said recently today to my therapist, I was like, the fact that I can be alone with myself and enjoy my time alone is crazy. You would have never caught me horribly afraid to be alone. Now I can't wait. I'm like, God, get all these people away from me. I want to go home and hang out by myself. And I love hanging out with myself was not true years ago. So like, what's the first step when you come up against someone who's like really struggling with the self-love piece? So as some, I practice more like psychoanalytic, psychodynamic depth-based therapy. I have them take me back once we've built trust and rapport. I have them take me back to the first memory they have of being loved, whether that's by a family member, themselves, a teacher, a coach, someone like that, like where they felt the love or were told that. And I also have them take me back to when the first time they felt unloved was, and then we fill in the blanks from there. So to your point of like that, that spectrum, I guess, or the upper and lower limit, and sometimes they can't recall a time that they did feel loved and they can only recall times where they felt unloved or they have only one time that they felt unloved, but that painted everything from then on because it was such an impactful person or such an impactful time of their life. So understanding them from a very deep level when it comes to where are these stories about love and lovability coming from so I can work with them to rewire those beliefs because that can come true differently in their day-to-day life. So you might be fearing that just like whatever it was, your sister when you were younger said that you're worthless and no one's ever going to love you or whoever it might have been, or even a parent saying that. I've had clients with not great parents who have said that to them in some way, shape or form. That doesn't mean it's true, first of all. Second of all, the person that 
you're in front of or is, you know, trying to date you or to say that they love you, do you believe them? If yes, why do you believe them? What proof do you have? And if no, have they given you a reason to not believe them? Or is this really coming from your own belief system of unlovability? So I take it probably I'm compared to other people, like totally from a different lens, much more depth based. And as we start to clear those hurdles, they get to challenge that belief every single time that coupled with self-love exercises of like, if they're struggling to love their body, if my clients are able to, I have them walk around the house naked. So they see themselves as a whole self, not as parts, because so much of our time is spent like literally changing into certain outfits or masks or what have you. I want you to see yourself as a whole self, not just, I hate this part of me. I don't like this part of me. Because when you're staring at the whole kit and caboodle, you start to look at yourself differently and working on saying, I love you. I'm here for you. You can talk to yourself in the third person. Having a dog is a great example of that. Because think about how much corrective reparenting we do with them of like, oh, it's okay. And this happened and this. They just kind of look at you and they're like, okay, nice lady. Thank you. Like, so being able to encompass both that deep intrinsic work and that out loud every day telling yourself that you love yourself and embodying that and showing up with whatever the struggle might be especially if it's bodily do you find that there is uh this just popped into my head but do you find that there is a connection between people that do have this severe severe issue or problem with themselves right with the self-esteem and the self-love that they become love addicts yeah, I think it's compensatory because if we're looking at like psychosocial development when we're infancy to about 15 months is our goal for trust or mistrust. Like, will my primary caregivers be there for me when I need them or not? Which also indicates I, in my theory or my adaptation, can I trust myself? Because whoever I'm being raised by is modeling how I'm going to interact with myself internally. And then we experience shame versus doubt is the next stage. And then initiative versus guilt is the stage after that. So we can feel shame from as old as 15 months old and guilt around three years old. So when we think about parenting styles and parents who are like, well, I turned out fine or they made me feel embarrassed. So I made them feel ashamed and they stopped it. And I'm like, yeah, you also probably screwed up your kid's self-esteem compass for a long time. So I hope you have a therapy fund as well as a college fund for them. I don't know if the, the 504, whatever plan that is covers it, but you might want to check on that. Like shame is so powerful because we feel it from such a young age because we need to be in some way likable to survive. And so to be pleasing and to be liked is a survival skill that we learn in our childhood homes so that severe self-love issue to weave that thread to to what you're saying that severe self-love issue stems often in my view from infancy and childhood at times or in adolescence some rupture happens and then we go seeking for the rest of our lives something we either had and lost or something that we never got to have and want to find and it's again it's compensatory i'll become addicted to this thing that i i just want to get near it and finally obtain it but to your point our point earlier earlier, if I don't have that space for love in myself, I don't know what to do with it. And it's kind of like when people who don't love babies are held a baby, they're like, that'll do. And then just pass yeah, it back. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for that. That's so like, oh, no, that's okay. Like, you don't like, need to. It seems weird. Like I've, and small. I've yeah. shown I have a friend who just she does not want babies. And every time I show her a picture of my nephew, she goes, oh, and I'm like, OK, hey there. I show her. Yeah. I show her a picture of my dog. She's like, oh, do, 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 baby. Yes. I'm like, okay. not everybody has no. That yeah. feeling. Yeah. I think that's so interesting because, like, this idea of love addiction and constantly looking outward, I think people constantly, right? Like, that's just what we do. We're in a society where we're not really looking at ourselves because we're 
constantly putting filters on something. And like, so we're looking through all of these different magnifiers and filters. And so we're not looking at at self. So putting that self-love kind of on the back burner and just trying to find it outwardly is like just such an issue that I just want to like shake people sometimes because I'm, it makes me so sad for them. Like it, it, such a heavy heart that I can't understand how you get to this place of like such self hate that you just are searching no matter what you have to do, you'll do it to get that approval from elsewhere. Like we have this really lovely girl and she DMs me all the time and she is like clearly in love with this, this boy that she's been friends with. And like, he doesn't love her. It's not reciprocated. It is so not reciprocated. She's so lovely. She reaches out all the time and is like, can you help me? And it's the same boy. And I just, I have to lay it out for her every time. I'm like, he doesn't love you. He's not a good friend to you. You have to move on. And like, she just reached out again. And she was like, I know you told me not to wish him happy birthday. I have more evidence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but can I wish him a happy birthday? Should I say anything else? I'm like, I literally voicemailed her back. I was yes. like, should Please you? do not do that. I was like, listen, at the end of the day, it's, it's you, like you have to make the right call for you, but I'm telling you, I've been in that space. Nothing you do is going to make that person love you. And that's not on you. That's not because it's your fault. It's just not right. But think about how much that might tie to how this person felt with their own parents in childhood. Exactly. And I just so want just... you to see me. I just want you to love me. Will you I finally know. pay attention to me? And like, there's a parable that's going around. It's been around for a while, but I saw it recently again, that this little kid, a son and a father, the dad's really busy with business. And it makes me cry, especially because I'm hormonal, it makes me cry every time. But in, in a summary, he goes to his dad and is like, oh, what's work like? And the dad's like, I'm busy, whatever. He shuts him down. Dad, what do you do for work? Dad, how much you make? Why do you want to know how much I make? It tells him whatever he makes an hour. And then the kid the next day, it always makes you cry the kid the next day goes dad can I borrow whatever amount 50 bucks or 100 bucks that dad's like okay I mean I guess and he he goes well what I mean what do you want it for and he goes I just want to buy it always makes me cry an hour of your time and I was just like how sweet I know right I'm like I'm a very hormonal now but I was just like you don't My dad get is it crying right now you just don't get it this. how much of an impact you have on your the way that your child will view the whole world and if they're worthy of love or not really is in those first five years how present you can be even if you have shift work or something like when you're there be there for them and teach them that they are lovable and also talk about yourself in a loving way but that girl must be there must be some tie to it or the first love that she had was unrequited and that that chasing that compensatory quality persists because your first love is not always your first attachment. Your first attachment can be clinging, can be like double-sided tape. It can be very magnetic, but it can also be just constantly chasing. And that's different from a first love. Love is deep. It involves forgiveness. It involves tolerating some things where you're like, oh my gosh, you chew with your mouth open. I didn't love that, but I love everything else about you. Like it involves not to an unhealthy level sacrifice compromise willingness gratitude it, it is so much deeper than simply being attached to somebody and if we aren't modeled how to have both it is difficult to know what both feels like and looks like to even go find it even trying to have some sort of like a like I, I could bring it back to my childhood I had a parent who was very like dusted off crying is for the weak and then a parent who was like you know cry feel your feelings everything's okay but also don't 
say too much because the other parent doesn't like that. Like that's something that I even I struggle with is like wanting to hide certain things and be private and then wanting to share everything and then wanting to be okay, but not okay. And like it's crazy as you start to really go through what all of that is and like you start to break that down in adulthood. I'm like, Jesus Lord, like some of this stuff was just I was a kid and I said it today in therapy. I was like, I didn't realize that I was allowed as a child to set boundaries for my own for the things that I wanted. And that was like I started crying and the therapist is like, good. Yeah. She's like, because there was a whole thing where like my brother is attempting with his son to break those generational cycles. And I was playing around and I called him, you know, I called my nephew. I was like, ah, a little turd, you know, like as just like a joke. And he's like, don't call him that. I don't like that. And I was like, no, it was just a joke. And it was weird. And him and I have talked and we're fine now. But my brother's like, you know, it's it's odd because if you would have told me that I would have gotten upset like that or I would have... I would have felt like I didn't like that and defensive like that a year ago. I would have told you you're out of your mind. He's like, so it's it's strange that it hit me the way that it did. It was a very odd moment between my brother and I that like I had to get off the phone. He's like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm not. And I was just like I crying because yeah. I felt I, I just started like all of these feelings came so up. You have to confront it. Yeah. And and our intimate relationships in adulthood, not in an incestual gross way at all. When I say this, they are the closest to our familial relationships because they push on us the most. The way that our family system models, whether our parents were married or not, or what have you, like the system that we grew up in models what our norm could be potentially or whatever, whether it's healthy or not. And they push on us because we get to see what it's like, but only in certain roles. And so part of that striving and that love addiction can also come from seeing our parents be better parents together than like lovers or marital like marriage partners and so much of the time to the point of if I don't have room to love myself as a self then becoming a partner I'm already struggling and then as a partner becoming a parent I'm going to be struggling because I can only bifurcate or trifurcate in so many different directions I'm losing myself and a lost self trying to occupy all these other roles is not the most ideal model for a child to learn how to be a strong self through the world. You hit my anxiety about being a parent. That's it right there. It's loss of self. I work so hard to find myself and be happy that I am terrified. Oh yeah. No, it's something I've had to confront too because this was this was a unexpected surprise earlier than we wanted, but I was like, you know what? I've done so much work on myself and I've done like I did an entire year of like infant child and adolescent psychoanalytic training, like advanced training. That helped me feel prepared and having been in therapy since I was 13, so like a very decades long time, like this is the most confident I've ever felt for something that I've not biologically done before because I've like step parented, nannied set like I I know the spiel and either imaginary kids are the easiest to raise or other people's kids are usually the easiest to raise but in the concept of not feeling like I'm going to lose my sense of self or my marital partner our love it is such a gift to be at this place to not feel like there's this unshakable like I feel like so confident about it that it feels like a great spot to be at I hope I get there I need to I, I'm my plan is to go back to therapy because I, I really oh I started need, therapy I, at the beginning of this year to deal with parenting and then like a few weeks and I was like so I'm pregnant and she's like, what? Because I thought I was infertile. So I was going into mourn the loss of never being able to become a parent. And surprise. Plot <laughs> twist. Yeah. Plot yeah. twist. <laughs> no, it's just my anxiety is like, woo, I'm so terrified of it. It is 
frightening. And I selfishly, her episode comes before you, but I selfishly booked an OBGYN and we're all going to, we're just going to talk about the race to 35 and like this. (laughs) My husband literally had no idea that that was the word. He was like, are you kidding me? I was like, no, I'm, I'm not. That's literally the 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 word that they, they use still. The research that they had was from, I love, I'm a nerd. It was from such a small sample size that it's actually not an accurate, what's the word? It's a scary. I have two brains in me, but only one of them is working. It's not an, it's not a representative sample of overall because that from that data that got skewed and somebody took it and ran with it, it matters far more person. Obviously the older you get, yes, there is risk, but it matters person to person. And where is your health at and your family's system? If everybody in your family's given birth healthily for later in life, then you may not have as much of a worry, but obviously your individual hormones are going to matter the most. Yeah. Oh God, it's absolutely terrifying. I think about it at least once every day. But anyway, to get us back on track. So like then we kind of spoke about it a little bit, but I want like real things that people can do to practice self love. Like how do we date ourselves? Cause like one of the things I always say, and I told this girl to do this is like actually go to a restaurant. And I told Stephanie this right after your Mm -hmm. breakup, your big breakup, go to a restaurant and go eat by yourself. Like bring a book, but people watch, but be alone, alone. Be okay with being alone and be okay with it. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's my biggest thing. That's something I did for myself all the time. It's one of my favorite things to do. I still do it. Oh yeah. And and showing beautiful thing. And it's not something you want to stop once you partner so that Mm -hmm. if you want tangible things, start living the life that you want to live while you're dating or while you're in a relationship. If you want your partner to draw you a bath, draw yourself a bath. If you want your partner to take you to the movies, go on a trip or go on. I've had, I've had clients who've gone to like dude ranches or spa trips or yoga practices. They're solo going on the trip. So they have like the night to themselves maybe, but they have the opportunity to go meet other solo or couple travelers. And they're scared in the beginning. And by the end that builds a lot of confidence because a, they're doing something they didn't think they could do much like loving yourself. And B, they had a witness to it who was totally accepting and can see them go through this journey in a different way and be affirming and encouraging. So putting yourself out there and making what's uncomfortable comfortable and treating yourself the way that you want a partner to treat you, that also goes back to modeling what you will and won't put up with. It's much easier to fit a partner in your life once you are already showing up living your life available to date not overly booking yourself, not not leaving time for it, but also not booking no time or nothing. And then you're sitting there like, oh my God, I have a date on Friday, but nothing to do in the meantime. Like there has to be a middle ground and loving yourself and taking yourself on dates, journaling, going to therapy, being around friends who encourage you. And honestly, most people are like, take it or leave it with this one, but it's the most healing. If you can work on your relationship with your parents, even if it's not directly with them, It Didn't Start With You by Mark Woolen is a great book. He has core images that he works you through of like repairing with mom, repairing with dad. Even if you never tell them this, it's for you to have internal empathy and intrinsic empathy so you can free yourself of any negative associations that you have of those archetypes so that you can love yourself even if and especially if they didn't love you and you don't carry that negatively with you into dating to me it all goes back to childhood I've done a lot of child work and like again today I'm just giving my whole therapy session to you on this this podcast but like I said you know I always used to like compartmentalize the different parts of myself so it was like inner child and then when I felt like she was pretty much taken care of then like inner teenager came out and I was like god why is she so mad all the time then it kind of became this like 
ethereal light and to me i feel like that was just a culmination of it's like just the essence of like who i am and when that light shows up in my meditation practices that's my body's way of saying that all parts feel this and it's not just one part it's all of us right now and it's the it's that aura and it's that feeling is transcending through all of the the timelines so to speak so yeah the childhood stuff is really wild what has unlocked in who I am. And I think, Emily, you've probably seen kind of a dramatic shift and even in the last, since this beginning of this year. At like, it's like I started really diving into that and like honoring that. Crazy. It's amazing how much you see. And like, even I see it with my parents and I'll observe it too. I'm like, ooh, wow, I'm behaving in a way that I, what's happening here? And like, so it's like acknowledging those parts of yourself does free you. It's very, it's very interesting to like have that experience and go, that's not really me now that's a that's that's a young part of me and we're gonna go for a walk and we're gonna let how old do I feel right now yeah 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 and it's and and that is there's a power in it that I didn't think existed until I started to because I was like oh that's a woo-woo childhood you know my brother when I first he's like if I have to hear about the inner child one more time I'm like yeah you're like look at it and then that's your inner child getting frustrated right now yeah my child he's like oh (laughs) it's so funny it's triggering but it's also freeing once you work past the trigger and doing the it oh sorry and like doing it for yourself that was the yes, last thing doing it that's out of self-love it's not i want to heal this so i can finally find somebody who loves me spoiler alert plot twist it's you like you are the one who's finally going to love you and richard swartz the creator of ifs internal family systems therapy wrote this book it came out last year i want to say yeah, maybe the year before and it's called you are the one you've been waiting for that is another book that i recommend clients bibliotherapy is what my therapist calls it she's like you're so much better at recommending that than I am and I was like I love you and you saved my life um (laughs) but that's a really good book because it explains once all parts are welcome in yourself you can then welcome in another whole integrated person and then you have like a good foundation to build a mutual relationship from there once you both are integrated and at least aware like I am judgmental I am impatient those traits are probably not going to go away entirely but I have a partner who's super understanding and he's like hey slow your roll what did the email actually say what if it's this what if it's that and I'm like wow that was actually a really good perspective like I came home last night and told him that and he's like yeah you're welcome like sometimes you jump to conclusions I'm like yeah I'm pretty good at that it's like I was like that's my cardio and then we laughed and moved on like but previous me would have been so defensive like you don't understand I would have fought him I'm not going to fight him. I love him. I don't want to fight him. Like I view men so much differently. And if you're a female listener and you're heterosexual and you want to date men, working on your relationship of actually like liking men and respecting men, that's a whole other part of the journey. That's a big one. That's the biggest one. That's probably part two of an episode. (laughs) I was going to say. I'll come back uh, as many times as you want. I I don't get I love it. See, I but I, I put it in. I told you, I said, when we wait for these episodes, they always tend to be some of our favorite conversations. It has happened time and time again. It's just like, we're waiting. We just can't wait. And it's just the best meal when we get there. Yeah. But that's the climate though right now is that like, it's cool to hate men and it's cool to hate women and it's cool for us to be super divisive. It's frustrating because I sometimes will fall into it and be like, I should hate this. And then other times I'm like, I don't actually, I don't know. I don't really agree with that. And then I'm like, am I actually hate it? (laughs) And I'm like, am I a pick me? You know? And then there's all these, like, there's all these, what is it? Pseudo therapy what is it called it's like tiktok therapy or like yeah therapy talk yeah and it it just it's that i i mean sound off i would love to have you come back and talk about that because the goal isn't for me to hate men 
The goal is actually for me to understand sometimes that we are going to have two very different brains. And we that's do. okay. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like, I, and my, again, my ex that I'm still friendly with, him and I, those were the biggest fights we would get in. We don't like, view the world the same way. That's, yeah. Let's do an episode on it because I yeah. feel like we could go so in depth oh, on yes. it. Yeah. Write that down. Emily. Jot that in my chart. <laughs> I promise. I'm going to remember my that. Personal though, I promise. Assistant. It's, it's, it's there. Yes. <laughs> we always, that, that's, that's always, that's always our joke is to like, if we write that down. When Emily says she remembers it, I know she will. When I say I'm going to do it and I don't write it's it just down. It's a nice pleasantry that you yeah. hope yeah. is true, but it's isn't. like, yeah. it's like me saying, hi, how are you? But I'm not. And I keep walking. And that's nope, don't actually, it's like the Scott Disick one that's going around and he's like, do you want some water? And Chris Jetter's like, he's, I was about to give you a whole thing. He's like, don't make it that deep. I just want to know if you want water, no, water or not. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, the Kardashians. <laughs> I mean, clearly we could talk to you for another skate eight hours. Who Let's knows? And Inf- infinitely. You're actually <laughs> going to give birth on this call. So get, get ready. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, what a way to come into the world. Right. Wow. Yeah, that would be crazy. <laughs> but Thank you for this conversation was what I wanted and like a thousand times more. So thank you. I need to know what women empowerment means to you. Ooh, women empowerment to me means a way that you as if you're listening to this as a woman that you as a self can feel confident, authentic and stand your ground without stepping on anybody else to get there or putting anybody else down in the process. So not emasculating yourself not emasculating men and not being disempowering to another woman also along the way. And I think standing in our own power is something that we have to feel comfortable with, like a a superpower truly. We don't use it all the time. Is it accessible? Yes. Is it harnessable? Yes. Having a black belt, same thing. You're not just going to go around black belt level beating the crap out of people. Could you? Sure. Would you? Probably not. You'd lose the ability to use that skill. It's learning when to use it and how to use that to inspire others, not to put others down. I love that. So well said. All right. My last question for you. What advice would you give your 15-year-old self? Oh, where was I at 15? My advice would be, this is good. I haven't actually got to give her advice. Eh, I have, I think. I had a, I had an idea the other day of if I could call my teenage self and leave her a voicemail, what would I tell her like me from the future? Yeah. As much as you don't want to hear it, it will all turn out okay. Like you will eventually get married and have the fam. Like that will all turn out. No, he is not the one whoever I was hooking up with or dating at the time. Drugs are not the way to feel your feelings because I was in rehab halfway through my freshman year of high school when I was 15. Obviously turned my life around and keep going to therapy for sure. I think those are like the top pieces of advice. Like it gets better. And I know that's so trite and cliche how many people say that to their teenage selves, but I needed to hear that because I was in eternal hell from what it felt. Sorry, that's one one curse word. <laughs> I was in an eternal warm place for a very long time when it came to how I viewed myself and what I thought my lot was in life. And it wasn't until I really turned myself around and started viewing myself as a self and didn't listen to what other people thought of me because for being bullied I was the kid who everybody's parents were like you should be more like Talia and then after being bullied and going through so much the advice that parents would give is like you should probably stay away like maybe don't spend as much time with her and to go from being liked to disliked that's the journey I went on I liked myself and then based on how others viewed me I didn't like myself and come hell or high water I went to the point where I liked myself again and no one's going to convince me otherwise so I would yeah say stay the course pick better friends stop doing drugs it'll all work out and 
the classic cliche stay in school, which I will be a lifelong student. So me too. That's what I always tell my students. I say I'm always learning. I'm learning something from you every day, every day. And that's oh, constantly. Isn't that the best gift that they can give me and that I can also give them in return? Like that is yes. just I love being a prof yeah. Oh, I, it's, I, it's all the greatest roles, thing. I love being a professor. I feel like you're the cool teacher. I told Emily oh, this I too. I was like, I would have absolutely adored having an a, a teacher like you. Like, you know what I mean? The teachers you spend your lunch breaks with. Yes. The relatable safe. ones who yes, yes safety, that actually yeah. talk to you like you're a human being and not like an yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what I try and do for my students. It's so the important ones that you to like me. start to you're like, we should should like get lunch sometime and you're like I'm your teacher no you can come eat lunch Wait, with so the me semester's here over and then we'll go get a coffee exactly yeah. what I tell them I'm like when we're in class and you're my student my name is professor Palacios or miss Emily Emily is for outside the classroom once you have passed my class you can't call me that until then I think that is a beautiful boundary that I wish more professors would. because also too I mean professors are getting younger and younger so that that gap you have is to not have as that wide. Yeah. And so you have to have that boundary to understand. Like I'm, I have a young boy that's going to not young boy. He's, I think he's going to turn 18, but he's going to apprentice with me as a makeup artist. And so there's going to be the person I know, maybe were you around showtime? Yeah. Okay, great. Person I oh, know. So you know, okay, perfect. Yeah. But that's like, there's going to be a boundary when we're at work, this is what it's going to be. And when we're outside of those doors, fine. But I'm like, when you apprentice under me, I am your teacher. And so I think there's something really beautiful because that also gives structure. It allows younger individuals to know that they can form a relationship with somebody who's a mentor or who's older, but also still have the ability and space to set a boundary to say, no, I don't, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to yes. do it. I think In a kind beautiful. and respectful way. Right. Yes. You're yes. both teaching each other. It's so that, that, that should interaction should be yes. that way. So. Yeah. Mutual deference. Absolutely. This is amazing. I wasn't sure what I was expecting going into it, but it wasn't bad. So, and it turned out to be even better than what I thought, which again was not bad. So this is, <laughs> this is fabulous. We know where to find you. We love all the things that you're putting Thank out you. there. So where can people find you? And do you have anything coming up that our listeners should keep an eye out for? Instagram is, well, actually, now that I have my media team helping me, I finally bit the bullet and was like, I think I need help. And it was great. I'm so glad I invested in asking for help. So Instagram is where I'm personally most active at Talia Bombola. And then I'm on TikTok, YouTube. I have three podcasts if people are curious to hear more. I clearly I don't love the sound of my own voice enough. I have three podcasts that are all on my Instagram page. And then I have a class coming out again in August. Our like semester starts as a as a joke, but it's a class that like it's everything that you never got to learn from your upbringing. A lot of the themes that we talked about today in humor, like a, in a relatable way that it's like me as a professor basically teaching it take it for what you will it's not like a coaching program it's really like show up learn all of this get all the resources I don't gatekeep like here's everything I've learned in my 15 plus years of doing this and take it for what you will and use it for good in your life and it's aptly named the class so that relaunches in August and people can enroll starting in July I love that this is amazing thank you so much of course thank I, you both. I'm looking at your website right now and I can tell you there's a lot to find there so please go yes. check out all the links will be down below and if you don't know who we are and this is your first time listening what have you been under a rock no i'm kidding <laughs> you can find us Get at www it. yeah right www.cyclechats.com 
all of the pertinent information, our YouTube, our newsletter, our episodes, and our shop is all there. Just so you know, anything that you buy in our store that is a non-profit relate, non-for-profit related, the non-for-profits we partner with, 75% of those proceeds go directly to that non-for-profit. And the one we are currently working with is helping women, period. You can also check out Women in Distress. We love them over there and we'll always give them free shout outs because they're incredible. And on that note, we hope you sync up with us next time. 